I was in the small town that I grew up in driving. And I just simply remember putting my hand out the window, playing with the air and thinking, I don't want to die anymore. I want to actually live. And I remember that was actually a little bit scary for me because it had been so long that I had really just not cared if I lived or died that having something to lose for the first time in a long time was a totally new feeling. And I actually wanted to keep my life. And that was kind of scary. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 402. When you think of pyramids, you inevitably think of Egypt. But the world's largest pyramid is not in Egypt. Instead, it's in this country. Take a guess what it is, and I'll let you know at the end of the show. In today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about bucket lists, and we're going to talk about bucket list adventures. One of the things that I love, though, about Suave's, the travel shoe that I've been taking with me all over the world since I found them about nine months ago, is that unless you are doing some crazy adventure where you need some sort of special shoe, so you're going and you're running a marathon, you need a running shoe, or you're going specifically to play basketball, you need a basketball shoe, or you're, you know, you're on a long trek and you need a hiking shoe or something like that, unless you're going and doing something extreme where the footwear has to be very specific to that. Suaves can accommodate any other type of trip. That's why I love them so much. They're really comfortable, crazy comfortable, I would say. Probably the most comfortable shoe I've ever worn. Heather says the exact same thing, because remember, they're unisex. They also look really stylish, so you can dress them up. You can dress them down, so they go with any type of attire. But we've also been able to wear them in a lot of different types of activities. So whether you're tromping around a city on a walking tour, whether you're just casually hanging out, whether again, you're going out to dinner, doesn't matter. Suaves are super versatile. That's what makes them an amazing travel shoe because instead of packing two, three, four different types of shoes, you can pack just one, your Suave. So if you're looking for the best travel shoe, the one that I have loved since I finally found them eight months ago, you can check that out, Suaves, S-U-A-V-S.com. You can use the promo code EPOP. That'll get you 15% off anything you order over at Suaves. Go check it out. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who has been on The Price is Right, who has spontaneously walked into an airport and bought a ticket, and who has currently crossed off 80 out of the 100 bucket list items, Chase Beringer from thebucketlistlifestyle.com. Chase, thanks for joining me. Huge welcome, man. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Genuinely, like I absolutely love the podcast and I'm super excited to be here. All right. Going to start you off hard. Gut reaction here. Don't think about this. What are the three biggest bucket list items that you've completed that come to your mind immediately? Like right off. These are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So number one was the very first, uh, excuse me, it was the second item I ever crossed off, which is running with the bulls in Spain. That was one I literally thought that I would never complete. Uh, and the second one would be the price is right. So you already mentioned that. That took me a week of waking up at like 5 a.m. every single day, failing over and over and over again before I finally got on. Uh, and the third one, I, gen- I it seems not that crazy now, but at the time when I wrote it, flying an airplane, I, I was like, I'll never do this, which is basically the way that I thought about the entire list. But when I wrote like flying an airplane, I thought I would never, that was so crazy. And then I literally got a Groupon and I was like, all right, $69 at the airport. Let's go fly an airplane, you know? Awesome. So then, all right, let's flip it a little bit. What are the ones that you're most itching to complete that you haven't done? Ooh, Uh, it's funny. So you actually said uh, in the intro, when I had uh, talked to you last, I had had 80 out of 100 items done and now I have 81 items because 
One that I had been really itching to do was to uh, build a tree house for my niece and nephew. And, uh, and over the last weekend we went camping and I uh, built a teepee, a super cool teepee. I mean, it was like way over the top, really, really cool giant teepee in the woods. And uh, that was one that I've been really itching to complete for, for a long time. Uh, another one that I I'm really excited about is my uncle loves to go fly fishing and we, him and I have been talking about going fly fishing for a long time. And it's something that compared to my other ones on my list, fly fishing is like, you know, you can just go do it basically anywhere. And I've always had that thought of like, Oh, I'll do it soon. Oh, I'll do it soon. And yet it remains on the list. So him and I, him and I have been talking back and forth about it, but I think that's something that's important to me is like, it's not just about doing the items, but it's about like who you experience it with and the memories that come from it. Yeah, and I think the story around it, right? Like if someone's going through your list, and, and when I did, that was one of the easiest intros to write because I'm like, well, there's 80 things here. I could I could pick any of these three basically and say it, right? And I'm like, oh, well, which is the most unique in, in my mind from an outsider perspective, not knowing the stories behind it? But you mentioned that of like fly fishing. Oh, someone might scan this list and be like, oh, okay, okay, big deal. Like next, next, next. Oh, price is right. That's cool. But for you, the fly fishing is a much bigger deal because it's it's with someone you love. It's a story behind it. And I think it is one of those that you would just scan over maybe even yourself because I can get to it. I can get to it. But then when you actually do, you realize, oh, yeah, sometimes these smaller things are the things that we, we push to the side to go after these big things. Not a bad, that's not bad or good. It just is. Same thing with personal items uh, on the bucket list versus the big flashy things. You know, oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll, people will see the running with the bulls and the prices right and things like that. And they'll scan over things that I personally, I absolutely love. Like uh, one is getting to know my grandpa better, having an open conversation with my father, telling my mother, I love her and giving her flowers, not on mother's day, you know, like those things that, that were so personal to me, remembering when, when I tell you this, that I had no intention of ever sharing this list. When I wrote this, this was never supposed to be something I shared. This was just for me at the time that I wrote it. So these were incredibly personal. Uh, and, and it, that, that's how it makes it my list. You know, that, that's where it feels really like, like something that is truly mine. Let's talk about that beginning of the bucket list. Why did you decide that you were going to put this list together right from the get-go? What was the genesis of that? Yeah, so uh, I actually wrote the list during the toughest time uh, of my life. Uh, I, I chased the American dream. I got, uh, when I was 19, I got married, uh, bought, a, bought a house, had the dogs, the white picket fence kind of thing. Uh, and my the genesis of that was, was after my ex cheated on me with one of my best friends. Uh, and I was living in a small town where like, that was my entire world. And when that came crashing down, it just, it was like this, this huge vacuum. And I didn't know what was going to fill it. And at the time, the only thing that was filling it was alcohol and like just depression and darkness. And, I was just sitting in that empty nothingness and that depression. And when I decided, basically, I wasn't going to kill myself because that was the idea in my head was like, I'm either going to either end it here or maybe I can end it running with the bulls or doing something crazy abroad. Uh, that sounds like a cooler way to go. That's not such a, you know, like a, my, my verbiage in my head at the time was like a pussy way out, you know? So um, I decided to write write down like some crazy things, some some things where like there was no more rules in life. I no longer really cared if I lived or died at the time, and there was no. I, and if you don't care if you live or die, you definitely don't care what people think of you, or if you have like money in the bank, you don't think of anything. It's just like let's just like no more rules. Let's just write down anything that I would want to do. And I started with the crazy stuff like running with the bulls, for example, and, uh, you know, bungee jumping in the jungles of Thailand and zip lining in Costa Rica, all like, like kind of work more wild stuff. And then as I wrote it, I started to get more inspired about like, wow, this is crazy. And I started to think about like, 
wow, I really wanted to do this. I always wanted to go to Thailand, for example, and it would start to inspire me. I would go online and I'd look at other people's lists and they'd be like Carnival in Rio. And I'd be like, holy shit, I really want to go to Carnival in Rio. That's, that seems amazing. And it, and it started to inspire me about like this other option. It didn't just have to be darkness and suicide. It could actually be something incredible and something different. And because I had nothing holding me back at that point, this was all extra innings and bonus time for me. Uh, it it kind of gave me the inspiration that I personally needed to just might as well try it. How long did it take you to kind of pull yourself out of that? I mean, because writing the list is one thing and being inspired to do it and, and saying like, this is cool. But do you remember, was there a point where you feel like was a specific turning point of, all right, not like I'm not going to hurt ever again, or I'm not going to be upset, and but I'm I'm through the toughest of times. A hundred percent, man. There was there was three big ones. The the first one was when I completed my very first bucket list item. So that took it from just being like a wish on a birthday candle, where I was like, this would be nice, to I can actually do something I never thought was possible, which was I did a cartwheel. So like that for most people, that's such a and it is a silly thing but for most people it's not even that huge of a thing and to be honest it was probably technically the easiest thing on the list but i remember i had like almost no money i didn't really have a lot of time i was busy all these things and i remember after i wrote my 100 things i was reading through the list and i was like a cartway like although i've never done one and i don't think i could probably do one like let's just try it and i remember i was literally on my lunch break at work and I went off into this like little field uh, behind uh, the place where I was. And I literally took like 20 minutes during lunch and I sprained my wrist and my groin. Like I was in genuine pain. But I remember because I YouTubed that guy doing a cartwheel and I slow motioned it over and over again because I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And so over and over again, I tried and I was scared. I collapsed upside down over and over again. But eventually I literally did it. And I remember just like this feeling came over me of like, I actually did it. Like I thought my entire life that I was unable to do that. I literally told myself that like, oh, everyone else can do it. I just can't. And I did something that I thought I could never do. And I remember walking back into work and, and just having this like this new concept of life of like, wow. I can do something. And, and that translated very soon into literally buying a ticket to Spain to run with the bull. That was, that was literally my second one that I did off my list. Cause it was this idea of a, I may end up getting lucky in my mind and dying during it. Uh, and B, uh, it was just like, there was no more rules and I might as well. And so I got my ticket and that was another huge turning point was, during the actual experience of running with the bulls. It was the first time in a long time that I felt deeply alive, like to truly in my core of being, I remember my entire body was vibrating with that adrenaline and I hadn't been really, really alive in a long time. And I just remember feeling that, that shaking after the bulls had passed me, just like, Oh, you know, like, like it just, it just felt real and raw. And, and I chased that feeling for a long time. And it was probably a solid year and a half before the third time. That was a real big shifting point for me because that was a shifting point because that was the feeling that I chased for a long time. It was my escape from my reality. I didn't, I, I wasn't yet running towards, uh, you know, the, the feeling of awe and adrenaline. I, I was still running away from my pain and I was using that to mask it. So for about a year and a half, I genuinely didn't care if I lived or died. And there's a lot of crazy stories that I gathered during that period because I didn't really care if I lived or died. I did so many crazy things that most sane people would never do, uh, which gave me a lot of stories and I survived. But at the same time, it wasn't until about a year and a half in where I was genuinely, I was in the small town that I grew up in driving. And I just, I just simply remember putting my hand out the window, uh, playing with the air and thinking, I don't want to die anymore. Like I, I want to actually live. And I remember that was actually a little bit scary for me because there, it had been so long that I had really just not cared if I lived or died, that I having something to lose for the first time in a long time was a totally new feeling. 
and I, I actually wanted to keep my life. And that was kind of scary. What happened after that moment then? Because I, overall, that's great because you're saying, hey, now I have something to live for. On the other hand, now you have something to lose too because you know you don't want that to happen. So was there a bit of mental gymnastics that went into that now because you say, oh my gosh, if I care if something happens, some of the things that I was just doing recently become a lot scarier because there's something to lose. How were you able to then balance that out and say, all right, I still want to do cool stuff. I, I still want to cross these things off my bucket list, but I'm going to go at it in a different way because now I, I have this bigger goal, which is to to stay alive and, and to really start enjoying my life yeah. instead of just running away uh, from it. Oh yeah. So great question. Um, so at, at first it was scary. But then I really learned that like, if I want to live, that this is something that I really want to do, uh, it's such a crazy concept. But if I want to live, I want to make my life better. So I, that's when I started getting into personal development. So at first, it was simply I was just running away from a lot of my feelings. I wasn't being vulnerable at all. It was just like me living the craziest life that I could think of. And now because I decided I wanted to live, at first it was scary, but then it was cool. Like, I, I started to realize like, wow, okay, I'm going to be on this earth for a long time. Like I want to make my life better. I want to become the person who like I've always really dreamed of becoming. And so I started to read the books. I, I joined a men's, I'm an online men's group and I, I just started to like really, really train myself to just be the best version of myself. It's a little corny, but but that's the way that I wanted it to be. And uh, it was really beautiful. That was a huge transition point. Uh, you know, once I, once I decided to be on this earth, uh, everything shifted. What does the best version of yourself look like? What are some of the things, that, the tangible things that you can point to and say, like, if I want to be the best version, here's a few of the things that I want to achieve. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing. It's not really the things that I want to achieve, it's more of a way of being. So it's not like I can say the best version of myself has a Ferrari and a million dollars. It's like the best version of myself is vulnerable. The best version of myself is kind. The best version of myself uh, is like just an interesting mix of like that childlike awe and wonder mixed with the groundedness of just like a grown ass man. Uh, because I, I don't just want to be the, the fairy in the woods. Woo! I want to be a, a, a dude that, that people can actually trust and come to and, and grow a business. Um, so it's, it's definitely a way of being. And, and it's actually, it's a good question because it's somewhat difficult to explain. But yeah, I think overall vulnerability and the ability to just laugh out loud when everyone else is quiet. All right. So that's a that's cool. That's a way that you are now measuring yourself, right? Is saying, "Hey, if I'm vulnerable, if I'm able to have fun when when maybe others aren't or they're just taking things too seriously, that's a way for me to measure like a a manifestation that can show that inside I feel good because I'm able to do those things." Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, it's interesting you use the word measure too because back in the day I, I used to think more in terms of like, uh, like I was just very aware of my growth and where I, where I am. And, and now I, as you, as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing that I've kind of shifted away from measuring and I've just kind of felt like I've just been like, this feels good. Like I, I, I chase my passions and I do measure my growth in like the area of business. And that's more tangible. It's more like, cause I, I can, but when it comes to myself, like it's just a passion, like, like growth is a passion at the way of life. And I no longer really have to think about how I'm doing with growth. I just like, Oh, that book is interesting. Oh, that is a cool little thing. That's a cool little course. Let's, let's take that. And it's not a, it's no longer something that I really put a lot of thought into. It's just the way that I am now. I've spent so many years. That was probably what, six years ago, I made that decision so over these last six years of, of growing now, I just don't really think about it. It's just the way that I am. And I think honestly, that's a big part of growth itself is when you no longer have to think about it. It's just, you just are. And I think that's one of the things that makes me interested in this idea of bucket list though, is because it, you, you have these, like it's a hundred things and here it is and boom, it's laid out bullet point and you can cross it off, which is nice. 
But in one way, the ultimate goals are not just to cross those whole things, those hundred things off. At, but if you have them to shoot for, the growth is going to happen because you've put those things on there for a reason, right? You put the cartwheel on there, not because it was that cool that you're going to show all your friends at a party that you could do a cartwheel. You put it on because you're like, hey, I'm fat and I don't think I can do a cartwheel. And I'm putting this limitation on myself. But honestly, if I think about it, I know I could. I just have to get out there and not be afraid to sprain my wrist, not be afraid to look like an idiot in a field. And when you accomplish it, it's not the cartwheel. It's everything around doing the cartwheel that helps. So I love that you have the list and that people can have the list because that gives you the thing to shoot for versus just saying, oh, I'm going to be better, right? Using these abstract words. But everything that comes around it is the real important stuff and the real important growth that's happening. Yeah, it's, it's who you become when you cross those items off. I, I didn't really know that when I wrote the list, to be honest. When I wrote the list, it was just I was just writing crazy. But like now that I actually can look back on it, it's all about who who I become. There, there was one item, though, that I did write on there that I, I remember thinking, I don't care about this, but I do care about who I would be if I can cross this off. And that was to have a million dollars in investments. So I was like, I don't really care about a million dollars, but the type of person who could have and, and keep a million dollars in investments, that's a badass. Like that's, that's a cool thing. So I do remember writing that one down and actually caring about who I would become, but looking back on it, like who I would become to travel for three months straight. I remember I was like, I don't know if I was like, maybe like if I'm retired, I could do that. I never thought that it was possible for me, but like literally two years after writing it, I was traveling the world full time. And like the type of person I would have to become, I would have to quit my job. I would have to save up money. I would have to like, or if I didn't have to quit my job, I'd have to have a job that would allow me to travel the world full time, which was out of my scope of reality at the time. But you're hundred percent right. Like the person I had to become to do some of those things was absolutely not the person that I wrote it. And that's what I tell people when they, when they write their bucket list, you're not writing this list as what you can accomplish right now. You're writing this list for what's possible for yourself to become and accomplish. So like you may not have enough money to go to Paris right now, but do you want to do it? Great. Write it down and you'll be able to save up over months and time to be able to do it. You can't do some of the, these items now. And that's the whole point of the list. This is a lifelong list for you to become the person who can accomplish your dreams. What did that look like for you? Because you mentioned the the travel one, right? Of, hey, I want to travel for three months straight, which means I'm not on a vacation. It means I've either built a business that I can do that, or I have a job that allows me to do it, or I've saved up enough that I can quit. You know, there's you, you have to be in, in a certain mindset or, or a certain place to be able to do that. So how did you transition in those two years? What did that look like for you to be able to become a full-time traveler and then obviously from there, continue to cross stuff off, but not have it be, oh, I'm crossing it off when I can and I'm going back to a job. What did that look like for you? Uh, I can tell you it's being comfortable in the uncomfortable. So what, like an adventure is an experience outside of your comfort zone. It's a new and different experience. And, and the bucket list is constantly full of new and different experiences. So slowly but surely, as I was doing these, I was getting comfortable. I was basically training myself. I didn't know it at the time, but I was training myself to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. It's similar to being intentionally lost. I have no idea where I am, but I'm still going to have fun and I'm going to be you know, excited about where I am. And that's how it was with the bucket list is like with the, with the travel for three months, I, I didn't realize all of the hard decisions that I would have to make, all the things that I would have to do in order to get to a point in my life where I could accomplish that. Like I, it's a lot, a lot of hard decisions, a lot of uncomfortable situations where if I just wanted to be the old version of me, the 20 year old version of Chase, where it was like, I just want to be comfortable. Like if I could find a job that pays 18 bucks an hour, I'm set for life. Like I just want to make just enough to, you know, to have a pool table in my garage and be set. Like, I just want to get a little, little chubby belly and, uh, you go to the buffet once a week and just kind of chill. That was like, that was my old self. 
And I didn't have a lot of interest in, in personal growth. I just wanted to be comfortable, which is, which is fine if you're content with that. But I reached a place where that led me to a dark and really, really bad spot. And I didn't realize it, of course, when it was, when it was coming to that. But when I was there, it was basically, there was no, no other option. I had to change or die. I put myself in a situation like that. And I had to make a lot of uncomfortable situations to get to where I am now. What were the hard decisions specifically to being able to travel for three months? What were some of those? Okay, it, yeah. I, I, I don't really want to make this decision, but I know if to get to that, I have to. And so I'm forging onward despite my fear. Absolutely. So uh, I had to make one of the hardest decisions of my life uh, when I had to decide if I was going to quit my job or not as a caregiver. So I used to be a caregiver in home and I was, I was actually making decent money. I was comfortable with my life at the time. And I remember I was having a conversation with my parents, whether I should quit my job and chase my dream with the bucket list lifestyle. At the time I was teaching people how to travel hack and get free flights and doing some courses, uh, and doing some life coaching as well. And I was trying to decide, okay, do I, quit my job, chase my dreams, or stay in Oregon and save up more money. And what, what I realized during that conversation is what I hope anyone listening real, like, can really take to heart if you're either at a position where you're about to take that leap or if you know that that's on the horizon, which is from making this leap, it was basically two outcomes for me. It was A, I, I succeed. I'm able to make enough money to live and, and help people and have fun doing it. The other option, though, is the one I want to focus on, which is the failure. So if I if I fail, if I if I don't make enough money, I just go right back to being a caregiver again. Maybe I'm not going to make exactly the same amount of money. I make a dollar less an hour. Maybe I don't have you know the same uh, job specifically, but in general, my life is what I'm living now, and so I'm already living my worst case scenario. I'm already living the thing that I'm so scared of. The one thing that's stopping me from taking this leap and this chance to live my dream life is what I'm living now. So it's not even a decision. It's an obvious yes, because one option is my dream life. The other life is the life that I'm living now. It's not even a decision. And so often we get so caught up in the what ifs that really, if you just look at it for what it is, cool, I'll go back to what I'm doing now and I'll save up money again and then I'll try again and then I'll fail and then I'll save up money again with more wisdom and I'll try again. And that's genuinely the outlook that I had. And when I realized that, it just wasn't a decision anymore. It was easy. And after you made that decision, did you have to go back and be a caregiver? So you make the decision, I'm taking the leap, I'm chasing my dreams. And if I quote unquote fail, I'm coming back and then I'm trying again did you ever have to come back and try again? No, I didn't. And here's why. I, I failed a lot. Oh my gosh, did I fail? I failed so many times in so many different things. But when I, when I made that decision, I still had about three months of saving up money before I would actually quit my job. And that was hard, man. That was, I was screaming into pillows. I was so desperate to escape that job at the end after I had after I had emotionally decided like I had in my soul decided that I no longer want to be for it was just screaming to leave and it like put this bad taste in my mouth so much so that it was like I'll do whatever it takes to not be a caregiver again and to live this life and so I failed at my my original plan I tried to just teach travel hacking uh and do courses and be a life coach and I made barely enough money to survive, but slowly but surely my savings was kind of dwindling because my lifestyle and my, and my amount that I was making was just not equal. Some months I was doing fine. Other months I sure as heck wasn't. And eventually I knew I had to shift. And that's when I, I was always a solo traveler for six years of solo travel, never traveled with anybody else. And, but I, of course I had had a lot of people say, Hey man, let's go to Prague together. Let's go to Paris or do this thing. And I had always said no until a really cool friend of mine was like, hey, man, let's go on a trip together. And I was like, I don't know, this might be fun. And it popped in my head, something that changed my life forever, truly, um, or at least for until now, which is I remember thinking, I could go and have fun with this guy and friends 
I could set everything up. I'm so good at finding deals and discounts where they'd be paying the same amount they normally would, but I'd actually be profiting off it. And I could go for free and make a little bit of money. I was like, let's do it. So I literally wrote on Facebook, who wants to go run with the Bulls in Spain with me? It was, I, was, I just thought, what's the funnest thing that I've ever done? Running with the Bulls. So I was like, who wants to run with the Bulls in Spain with me? I had like 10 people say, let's do this. And like eight of them or seven of them said, yes, like I'll actually pay money. And so they, they put down their money. I booked everything and the trip went amazing. It was so much fun. People had their lives changed. They were literally talking about how like they're going to like change their entire lives. Everything's different now. And we had fun and I made money. And it was the first time where I made money. I had fun and I changed people's lives. And from that point forward, it was proof that I could live a life where I'm traveling the world doing those three things. And so that's what it looks like now for you is, is you have these adventure trips where you're the leader and you put together these itineraries, running with the bulls. I know is one there. I saw there was one to Japan. Like there's just these, Hey, these are bucket list. I, I, you know, I didn't even think of that when I say bucket list moments for people that other people have on their bucket list. I'm going to make that happen for them. I know or know someone who's going to help me figure out all the logistics. We're going to go as a group. We're going to have that sense of community. And I'm also going to get to earn money because I'm figuring out ways to make it worth it for them and make it worth it for me. Yeah, uh, exactly. So basically, it's like, I just thought, what are the top 10 experiences in the world? Like, I have been to all the wonders of the world. I've been to every major cultural festival, all like the, the things that pretty much everyone writes on their bucket list. I had been lucky enough to experience. So I just said, what's the top 10? And I literally just thought, here's number one. This is definitely it. Oh, wow. That was a crazy night. Let's definitely put that in there. All these things started to come forward. And I literally was like, wow, this is an amazing list of 10 incredible experiences that I would love to have. But, but here's what I was, I was really smart when I did this, luckily, is I, I basically said, I can't do this on my own. Although I, I, there's definitely a part of me that thinks I can do it on my own. I decided that I was not only going to hire one logistics person, but I was also going to have an assistant tour guide. And and once I had that, and I was taking people on these trips, I realized, wow, I can actually train this badass tour guide that genuinely is better than I am at it. Like I love, I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. But like my, my guide that I had hired is just as good or better than me. And so I was like, wow, I could actually have tour guides running these public trips And I was having people hire me for private trips, crazy trips to Africa, going hunting with indigenous tribes and and doing really interesting stuff. I was like, wow, I could just have my tour guides do most of the public trips and I'm going to do the private trips. And like I had some coaches running events that I was helping them with. I was like, I can do the private and corporate stuff. So right now I'm running like two to three a year of the public trips. Uh, And it's all application only. So I'm because I only want fun, awesome, positive people to be there. Um, so I run like two to three personally, and then I have my tour guides running all the others. And then I run the private and the corporate trips, uh, on the other side, but that's, that's the way I want it and right now. That's kind of the goal is, uh, run a few trips a year that I personally really want to be on. I don't have to be on. I just want to, and write books and do speaking gigs and just have fun, uh, and basically follow wherever my passion is. Cause right now pa- travel is my passion. But I want to set up my business to where eventually, if I choose to, I don't have to travel. Yeah. And obviously, to many people, that's like, this is great. Like, look at what Chase has done. He gets to essentially plan out trips, go on some of them, doesn't have to go on others. He's living He's living an awesome lifestyle. How were you able, after that first trip of putting on Facebook, hey, running with the Bulls, cool, that went off well, where... Like, what's the story arc between that and where you are now? Because I'm sure it's not as easy as, all right, and now we've got four tour guides and this and that. I mean, there's a lot in between that I want people to see, both positive and negative, so that they can say, okay, I can come at this and make, make a decision to do something with all the information, not just, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much because I just didn't even think about that. And that's so true. Like it wasn't just, I threw some things on a, you know, on a website or on Facebook and everything came together. I failed many times. I put a trip to Africa together, two trips later that literally zero people signed up for. And it was crazy cheap. It was like 
$2,100 all-inclusive African safari for eight days. Like it was so inexpensive and we were going to make like $300 a person off it. Uh, and, and no one signed up and, and it was this feeling of like, wow, even an amazing trip where it's crazy cheap, no one will sign up. Oh, like this could be harder than I thought. And that's how it was where I put a trip out there and three people would sign up or two people would sign up, which is the worst amount of people because it's that point where they've already bought their plane tickets and I'm not going to be profiting money. You know, I'm going to break even, but I'm going to go there and I'm going to work for 10 days work, but still it's work. And I put a lot of hours. I probably put a hundred, hundred hours into this and it's like, okay, cool. We got two people. So I can't cancel one person. Maybe you can cancel zero people easy to cancel. But when you only got a couple, you're like, wow, okay, I'm not going to make money. And I can't cancel. Uh, so there was plenty of times where we had that, that feeling. Luckily, I've never lost money on a trip. Even one time my group got uh, stuck in the Himalayas. We were uh, at Everest base camp and there was a huge storm and everybody got trapped, hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, I was, you know, we got trapped for three days. I was calling uh, helicopter companies to come save us. And people were literally taking like 15 grand in cash. I don't know why they would have 15 grand in cash like running up to our helicopter as we were running and putting cash in our pilot's hand, like take our group. And they would literally be like, and that pilot would be like, yep. And literally other groups would get in front of ours. It was super hectic and crazy, but literally I had to like give cash to like get us off that mountain. And eventually we did get off. Everything was fine. Everyone was healthy. But at the same time, like even crazy situations where I have to like throw out cash, we've literally never, uh, like lost money that I think that trip we made $17, uh, which was good, uh, <laughs> uh, total, but in general, like crazy stuff has happened at the end of the day, we've never lost money on a trip, which feels really, really good. But also I've canceled trips. I've had trips where I, I spend money on marketing and nobody signs up really, or I spend money on marketing and I I've had seven people sign up for a trip to Hawaii before, which is our max. And I had no idea about it until three days after because our computer system put them in a different folder somehow where I had no, I thought nobody signed up. I canceled the trip. Three days later, I'm going through and I'm like, why does it say we have a bunch of people signed up? And I look, I'm like, holy, seven people signed up and they say that they all want to go on this trip. So I had a full trip, you know, booked out three grand a piece and I, and it just wasn't so so many failures over and over and over again, so many learning lessons, so much money left on the table. So many times I, I messed up on the trip where we could have had a better experience, but I, I didn't realize that there was some uh, big celebration going on during the trip and we were going to be in a different city. You know, things happening where it was a growth experience for me. Now we've got it down pat, but at the time for that first two years, it, it was, you know, a struggle, but, and we did it. And every time I failed, I, I just learned from it. And luckily I had an incredible team with me who they supported me and, and they, you know, they, they worked their ass off for not a lot of money. There was months where sometimes like, I was like, dude, can you not work so many hours because I don't have the cash or, you know, I, he'd be like, Hey, don't worry about paying me this month. Just, you know, I'll, I'll just roll it over into next month. Cause I know things are hard. Uh, it wasn't just easy and everything was perfect. Uh, but that's, that's the way that I, now looking back on it, that's the way that I would always want it is to be hard and full of lessons. Yeah. And I think that is important to realize that it's not just, oh, one trip went bad. I learned from that and now everything's been great. It's like, Hey, this was two years and I'm sure, and I'm sure there's still things happening now. How long have you had the company now? Like how long have you been running trips? So I've been running trips for a little over three years now, uh, for about three. And, uh, I've been, yeah, I've had the company for seven and then I've been running trips for about three. Yeah. And I'm sure there's still times now where if we have this conversation in six months, you'll say, Hey, Trav, like everything seemed awesome. Then here was something that happened in the interim that I learned about that all of a sudden now I'm going to put into my quiver of like tricks or whatever to pull out and it's not going to happen again. And we're not going to have, you know, that mistake. hundred percent. And that's the problem is that like, so that's my job is basically to have an experience where wrong, everything goes wrong, right? Everything is always going to come up and it's my job to make sure they don't know about it. So like things are going to happen all the time in the background where I'm running around, the fire dancers don't show up for some surprise experience. I'm 
kind of like, okay, guys, uh, just go ahead and hang out in this little, uh, these booths. They're selling some, some traditional bracelets and stuff. I'll be right back. And I'll be like running, like on the phone, doing all this crazy stuff to make it happen. And, and that's kind of what I do is, is they have no idea anything goes wrong. They're just like, wow, this was such an incredible trip. Everything was perfect. And I'm like, uh, literally every day something went wrong, but they have no clue. And that's, that's kind of the point. Yeah, exactly. That's how you give someone a good experience because the expectation is expectations are the thief of joy, right? And so if they don't know everything and exactly how it's supposed to be planned out, and you're the only one who does, yeah, you might turn around and say, whoa, that did not go as I planned. But to them, they're like, this was an amazing time because they had no idea what was going to happen. And what did happen was still cool. And I think that's one of the beauties of traveling is that if everything went as a, according to our plan in our head before we traveled, travel wouldn't be that fun. It would be only a list of things. It'd be like cross, cross, cross. Okay, cool. Not, oh my gosh, this lady invited me back to her home and now I'm getting driven around through this mountain town by a dude whose car is like 100 years old and he's swigging vodka and not buckled in and am I going to die, right? That could have never been on my list because I didn't know that was going to happen. That's an adventure. That That's what an adventure is. And and here's the thing. I, I don't own a tour company. Like I, I tell everyone when I'm, because it's application only. I get on a video chat with every single person who applies. And I basically just say like, just as an FYI, this is not a tour. This is an adventure. Like understand that there are going to be points outside of your comfort zone and it's going to work out amazing. You're going to be safe. But we get into some pretty wild experiences. I, I put people in experiences where, we're intentionally lost when we're walking through a city and, and I just let them know like, Hey, we're just going to try and find the best bakery in, in downtown. That's our, that's our goal. We're going to get lost. We're just going to walk through the streets and we end up, uh, you know, playing cricket with some little kids in the back alleys or, and we get, you know, we hear some music in someone's house and we literally, we've had times in India where we just walk into someone's house and we just like have a celebration with, with a family where their the grandmother blesses us and we play music for an hour. And, and that's, that's what an adventure is. And, Here's the crazy thing. So like, I always knew that the traveling was an adventure, but now as a business, this is just as much or even more of an adventure because I'm on and I, I want people to experience things the way I want them to experience it. Right. So that's, that's, that's my mess up. That's, that's the programming that I'm trying to retrain right now is like, it's, they need to see the Taj Mahal the way I want them to see it. They, they need to have this, they need to make it to base camp this way instead of the way that it just unfolds the the perfect way that it unfolds oh well i wanted us to have our last night at this beach but you know there's a whole bunch of tourists there so you know and it's like no just just go and everything's perfect and it always works out when i just when i just let go and i allow for the adventure to unfold from my end just as much as theirs yeah and even though you know that and you've probably experienced it a thousand times you still have to go back to it and say oh my gosh let go, let go, let go. Like it's constantly retraining yep. yourself for sure. A hundred percent. I actually tell my right-hand man, uh, Jerome, I'm like, Hey man, you have full reign to, if you ever see me stressing out on this trip to just like sit me down and just tell me like, everything is going to be okay. Because my, my energy, the way that I come to this group dictates the entire group. I've had, I've had one trip. It, it only happened once. Uh, but I'll never forget it. It was such a big learning lesson where I spent a solid 60% of that trip in stress mode because things kept going wrong. Our, we get, we, so we don't stay in hotels. We stay in like uh, big villas or like Airbnbs, that kind of thing. And I remember it had literally, it had two beds less than what it said it had. So our group literally had, didn't have a place to sleep for a couple people. And like, that's not okay. So like that just started this stress ball of the whole trip, just kind of one thing after another. And I realized that the way that I showed up was dictating the entire group. It was just more tense than it needed to be as opposed to 99% of all my other trips that are just chill. It's like, let's have a blast. And so I learned from that where it's like, everything's perfect. Everything's going to be okay uh, as it is, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit crazy. And so now I take that to heart and I, I genuinely, I mess up all the time. I always, uh, you know, there'll usually be one time on each trip where I'm like, oh, the van isn't here and we're supposed to be going to this thing and I made reservations for this time. And, you know, he'll have to be like, dude, it's all good. Like, it's all perfect. 
it's going to be fine. The restaurant's not going to, you know, we're a big group. It's going to be okay. And, and, and it's good. I'm glad I have them. Yeah. It's always nice to have a partner, business partner, travel partner, whatever, to bounce stuff off who understands you because I'm sure there's times where maybe he's stressed or maybe he's just, maybe he's not, maybe he's the coolest yeah. dude ever, but where he's stressed and you're he's like, perfect. Perfect. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're like, Hey, Jerome, chill out, man. Like, it's nice because yeah. usually if one person sees someone else like getting upset and this, this happens with my wife and I all the time, whenever we're going through security in the, in the airport, right? One of us is going to get pissed off at them being like pulling us aside. Inevitably, it always happens. But when she's pissed off, I'm so much more calm than I normally am. And when I'm pissed off, she's like, what are you worried about? I'm like, you just three hours ago in another airport, you were the one doing this, you know? But it's just a natural reaction. It's like, all right, if they're like that, let me get even further into just chill. It's going to be fine. And, 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 you know, just roll with it. And so I think it's nice to have someone there to help you with that for sure. After listening to this, my, my my hope is that people are listening and they're like, all right, this is really cool. Like these these adventures and travel and, and people listening obviously already love travel. But my hope is that they sit down and think about some of the stuff on their bucket list. Some of it being fun travel stuff like we've mentioned and some of it being this the personal stuff. Like I know you have stuff on there like be a good father, be a good um, be a good husband, connect with your dad, you know, with your grandpa, the fly fishing, you know, just like growth and, and development stuff. What are some of your best pieces of advice for people sitting there saying, all right, I want to do this too, because I want to set some goals for me that are, that are going to help me grow in a certain way. Should it just be stream of consciousness? Hey, blast everything out. Should you think it out? Like, do you have a, a little bit of a template to give people for creating a bucket list? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So uh, it's really important to understand that uh, every every item is okay. So you, it's your list. You can take items off. You can add, add more items. It doesn't have to be 100. It can literally be however you want it because it's a blueprint for your life. So when when you're writing it, don't don't stress about like, I don't know if I should put this item on because I don't know if I can do it. Uh, trust me, I thought that a million times and I didn't write some items on because I, I didn't think that I could do it. I wanted to climb to Everest Base Camp. I thought that I could never do it, so I didn't write it. I ended up doing it now multiple times. I do it every year. And so just understand that like when you write it on there, you can always take it off. If you if you really don't if you really don't want it, no problem. But just don't allow the thoughts of I don't have enough money, I'm not going to be able to do this, blah blah blah. All these BS excuses of it's not reasonable. Just just write it down and become the person who be, would be able to cross that item off. You can't do it now. I understand that, but you can become the person that would be able to, and that person would probably be pretty dope, right? And so when you're writing this, the biggest thing that I've found has been a, a, a stopping point for people is that they don't think that something is possible for them. It's creating the possibility is like the first step for writing a bucket list. You need to understand that, yes, it's not possible for you, but it may be possible for your future self. So create the possibility first. And the, yes, you can do stream of consciousness. But one thing that I also find after I write each one, uh, now, because I, I still write a bucket list, I have a second bucket list because I do believe in bucket lists. Like I have my original one that I wrote because it, there's just that meaning of like that first original. I was such a different person when I wrote it. So now I, I really do believe in the power of a bucket list where I still write and I plan out things that I really want to do in my life. Um, but just understand that it can it can be ideas from other people. I Googled you know, like uh, crazy bucket list ideas, uh, amazing festivals around the world, you know, things like that would be fun. I, I Googled and, and feel free. Hey, go on to the bucket list lifestyle and read my bucket list. I have a lot of really fun stuff on there that was amazing. So it's like, yes, you can use other people's ideas. Uh, literally, there's no rules with what you can and cannot write. It can be a bucket list with no travel on it whatsoever. <laughs> You know, it can be just things that you want to experience with your kids. Like it can be just feelings you want to feel. I want to feel true joy, elation. I want to cry from happiness. That's a huge one. Like put that on your list. Put put feelings on your list, things that you haven't experienced inside because the adventure within is just as powerful or more powerful than the adventure outside of yourself. Yeah, there there is no right or wrong way to do it because the point is to better yourself and no one knows how to better yourself better than you do, even if you 
don't think that. Even if you're like, oh, I'm not, I haven't read, you know, here's an excuse. I haven't read self-help books. I haven't read as many personal development books as Chase. So, you know, he's talking about all this stuff. Who am I to make a list? It's like, you're just you. Yeah. That's what you are. Make the oh, list that you want. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I do need to say one little thing. Imagine this. A divorced, depressed, overweight caregiver living in a small town in his house in the dark, crying with cold spaghetti next to him. That's who is writing my bucket list. <laughs> so just understand that like, yes, this crazy life that I've, I have made for myself didn't start from a place of knowing what the hell I was doing or having any money in my bank account, or I had never even traveled before. I didn't even have a passport. So understand that, that what I came from wasn't anything special. That's for damn sure. And, and I know it's cliche, but if I can start from that place and come to where I am, think what you can do. Yeah. As long as, even if you're eating cold spaghetti, and if you're not, you're well ahead of Chase, who is eating cold spaghetti, right? So if you have a warm meal next to you, you are ready to write your bucket list, right? Sit down with some warm mac and cheese, craft mac and cheese, be like, I'm in a good spot to do this at this point. Yep. All right, I want to I want to ask you about the prices right one because this would be something I haven't thought about the prices right in a long time. But had I written a list when I was a kid, <laughs> the prices right would have been number 1. Like I'm getting on there. I'm spinning that oh, wheel. Oh yeah. So how did this come about? Oh my gosh. So I as a lot of kids who grew up in the 90s and 80s and all that like I love The Price is Right. Like, that was my jam. Like, The Saved by the Bell and The Price is Right were my two, like, big and family matters, maybe. Well, Steve Urkel in there. But really, like, that was my life, my childhood growing up. And I always, like, I just loved it. It was just so, like, the bright lights and the, and the crazy, the prizes, the cars and stuff. So uh, I always wanted to do it. And as an adult, I was a grown-ass man, right? It wasn't, like, a huge deal to me. But what was, was just, like, the fun factor of it like a game show like it just seemed like such a fun idea and really at that point in my life i was a minimalist i didn't really care about the stuff right that that i wanted to win it was more about just the experience of getting on the game show with like drew carey and like hey and so i literally i took a week off and i went to la and i stayed with my friend on his couch and every morning at five o'clock in the morning, I made a t I made a T-shirt when I was in Thailand, and it said Drew crossed it off my bucket list, a bright orange T-shirt. And I went at five o'clock in the morning, and I waited in line for three hours and in the cold. And I and I made it. And every day, the same guy interviewed me, the same guy for five days in a row. And I went twice uh, twice a day. So I'd go in for one recording, and then I'd come right back out, and I get interviewed again by the same guy. And then, you know, and then I would go back in and you don't know if you're going to win. You have no idea if you're going to get called on stage. So he interviews you and you're and and all I say is just keep high energy because they're watching you. The producers are watching you. But over the days, I started making friends with all the workers. All they're called the red coats. Everyone's wearing a red coat. And it would just high five like, oh, you're here back again, back again. This is the day. And day after day, I, you know, they'd call the very last person and it wouldn't be me. And I'd be like, okay, another day, like, let's just keep going. And there'd be days where I was hungry, you know, it's a 14 hour day, you can't eat, you know, so it was like 14 hours a day, every day, failure, time after time, me, and I would be different versions of myself for the interview. I'd be the crazy, let's go! Ah! And then I'd be the like, okay, I'm here, I'm ready, blah, blah, blah. And every day, someone right next to me would get chosen, right in line. They'd, the person right next to me, they would do something and they'd get chosen. I even had a girl next to me named Chase. And I remember he interviewed me and I was the last person in line. He turned around to his assistant and he's like, Chase. And I was like, yes, I'm definitely getting, he said Chase. Didn't realize her name was Chase too. She sits next to me and they're like, Chase Johnson. And then she goes up, ah, and I was like, no, no. So eventually I finally, it comes the final day that I have my opportunity. Not only was this the final day, it was the final day of their recording their entire season. So they were going to be gone for months, right? And and uh, they say that the second showing is already sold out, the tickets, So uh, which they're free, but you have to get there in advance. So I was like, okay, I got one chance today. I go there, I do my best interview. I'm like, this is the final chance. And they don't call me, right? They don't call me and I'm bummed. I'm like, 
and the announcer gets on as everyone is going towards the exit and he says, Hey, there's still one or two tickets left for the next showing. If you want, just talk to a red coat. And I'm in the front row and the exits in the back. So there's hundreds of people. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get it. I walk back. Uh, and I see, and I hear the red coat telling the guy, no man, sorry, someone else already got it. So I was like, I'll just say goodbye. Cause I made friends with these people. And I was like, Hey man, you know, I didn't get it. And they're like, dude, we got you. We saved you a ticket. We all know that, you know, you're here for this. You're going to win one more chance. And they're like, one more chance. They saved me a ticket. I made it. I went crazy. I was like, I've been going crazy during the interviews before, but I was like, I'm going to drool. Like I'm going to like go crazy. And I did. I was, I like jumped up on the bars of the, the fence and I was like, ah! and I just went that shit crazy. And I made it. And they called me down and I did the $1 over bet, you know, where I screwed the person next to me. I got on stage. I won a bunch of fancy luggage and a trip to Canada. And it was fun. It was a blast. It was so much fun. And I had spent all week training for this where I knew the prices of everything. I had watched all these trips, everything. When they said the, the trip, I was like, $6,895. Boom. I know it exactly. So yeah, it was literally one of the funnest experiences, if not the funnest experience of my entire life. Wow. That is some perseverance. I think that just shows you the whole idea of a bucket list of like, I just read it. It's like, got, he got all the prices right. All right, cool. Like, that's awesome. I want to do it. And then knowing the backstory of five days, 14-hour days, wearing the shirt. Yep. Now, were you wearing the same shirt every day? Same so, shirt. Like, the guy same who's shirt, interviewing so you know. knew, knew it was you every day. Like, he, he has Drew to interview Drew Carey you. even knew me. Every day, Drew Carey knew who I was because he was like, like in the commercial breaks, he's like, oh, you're back again. and Because I, I was sat in front row a few times. And then when I got on stage, you can even see it on the video. When they call me down, they show Drew Carey's face. He's like, oh, that guy. Like, he's like, oh, that guy made it. Awesome. All right. We will have to get that video from you. Link that in the show notes for sure yes. as your crowning moment because that yeah. is really, really cool. All right. You just told an awesome story. I want to flip it from something amazing and a great time to your biggest travel mishap. Now. We know mishaps from travel usually end up being our favorite stories to tell, but in the moment yeah. that they happen, they may not be the best story that you might sit there and be like, I can't believe I've done this. I'm sure you've had a ton. What sticks out in your mind is as like, this is one that my grandkids are going to tell their grandkids that the like, great grandpa Chase did this. Can you believe it? Yeah. Yep. All right. I got one from the most recent time that I ran with the Bulls. And okay, even just saying that sentence is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> My most recent time. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. So I was leading a group to running with the, to run with the Bulls, and and I always do it safe where like we we start off on a very specific point. We run next to the Bulls. We make sure no one's in front of them. All this stuff. But one thing happened that I was not expecting whatsoever, which was I, I get my people all ready. And the bulls are passing and I'm like, go, go, go. And they start running next to on the side of them. And my whole group runs, uh, runs ahead. And I, I'm, I'm waiting back a little bit to like triple check, make sure my whole group. Right. And what I didn't realize was I had thought that all of the bulls were running together, uh, that they had all passed. What I didn't realize was there was, a, there was two more separated from the pack. And when a bull gets separated from the pack, that's when they're most dangerous. That's when they start goring people. And so I, I hear people screaming behind me and I turn around and I realize what's happening. I'm like, oh, this is another one. And so, but it's not a big deal because I'm still next to the side and I, I get off to the side. However, I see people start falling over each other, 20 people falling over each other, making this big pile in the road of, human, of people who are terrified, trying to rip, you know, get off this pile. The bull comes and it jumps. It tried to jump over these people and it lands on top of them and then it rolls forward, right? And so everybody and their mother is watching this. This is so like crazy that everyone's watching. And I, for whatever reason, turn my head because there's another bull coming, right? This other bull, it was the most deadly bull or most dangerous bull in years. It gored like four people this year. Uh, it was super a nasty, nasty bull. No one knew that at the time though. I turn my head, I see that it's running right in the middle of the road with its, with its face towards the ground. So the face towards the ground means the horns are up, it's ready to gore. And there was a guy standing right in the middle of the road, watching the craziness of all these, this pile of people, this bull that jumped over, which of course, like 
everyone's just focused on this. This guy, he's just standing totally still, and this bull is literally coming right for him. So I didn't think, not even a little bit, like I just started sprinting right for him. He looks at me, and I'm sprinting at him, like, what the fuck? And I grab him, and I fall backwards. Like, I don't tackle him forward because the bull is there. I grab him, and I fall backwards. And as I fall backwards, it's the cobblestone streets. I whip my head on the cobblestone street. And so I go, boom, I whip. And then it, it flips my head up again. And as I go up again, the bull is right there, sprinting right at us and not even looking at us, just horned straight towards my head. And I remember the split second, the only thought that I had was the horn was perfectly aligned with my eyeball. I just remember thinking like, I was like, eyeball, like, and it was sprinting. It was so close. And I, I swear to God, this part is so crazy. It literally, it looked up, just barely looked up and it saw me and it chose not to gore me. I swear it chose, it looked up and it turned and it turned right next to my face. Like literally the horn, it was just, and those horns are sharp. They're not, they're not, you know, grinded down right next to my face. It chose to turn and it turned and it kept running forward. But literally it was, and then both of us were just pure adrenaline and we just got up like, ah, and just like kept running. And so I never even like hardly saw the guy's face. He didn't see mine and we just kept running. Uh, but that was, that was one of the closest I've ever come to dying, uh, before because that horn was just right straight on my face. Um, so yeah, that was, that was crazy. And by the time I got to my group, my group is all just like, they're celebrating. They've already, they've been done for five minutes or two or a minute or whatever. They're just like, yay. And I get down there. I'm just white face, just totally sweating. Like, oh, I almost died. I almost died. Hold on. I need a moment, you know? Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That, I, and the crazy part is, is like, it's a split second, right? And there's no really rhyme yeah. or reason behind that bull looking up. You know, you could say fate, you could say this, you could say that. But at that point, you're just like, I am very thankful that it did that and chose to do that. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was uh, it was a scary moment. Both, you know, I've I've had scary moments running with the bulls before, uh, but that was probably the most scary, um, even more than my very first time. And uh, I, but that's kind of part of it, you know. Like the the fear is part of it. It shouldn't be that dangerous. Like that's a little too dangerous. That's a little too close for comfort. Uh, if you're doing it right, the way that I I tell my people to do it, that I didn't do it, like uh, then you know it can be fairly safe. But at the end of the day, it's dangerous, angry bulls running through 15,000 people. Uh, it's, it's a dangerous thing. And, and it's, that's one thing as a business owner, I've had a lot of company owners tell me, you are stupid for taking people to run with the bulls, your entire business, you're going to get sued, all this stuff. But the reason why I do it is, A, it was my first trip ever, there's sentimental value, but it's the funnest experience of my life, not the running but the party around it. It's a million people at a giant 1 million person sangria fight. The whole thing is just crazy and amazing. And I'm like, that's the part of the bucket list lifestyle is like, it is a little crazy. It is, it is adventurous. And it's not a tour company where I'm just taking people on some tour bus. That's a part of what I'm bringing into the world. And yes, it's dangerous. Yes. My entire company could be brought down because someone got gored. And at the same time, I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to be the crazy person just like I always have and put that risk out there to have fun and to change people's lives, even if it's a risk towards myself. What do you have then coming up in the pipeline? You mentioned some of the trips that you do. Or is there something that you're super excited about coming up soon? Yes. Running with the Bulls <laughs> is coming up next month. Uh, no, so that's, that's already uh, happening. But the one that I'm truly, so, so two trips, that I really didn't think were going to be my two favorite trips more, more than running with the bulls even is, uh, Peru. So we have a really magical Peru adventure. That's very spiritual and very grounded. And it's just like, we go to Machu Picchu and rainbow mountain, but it's, it's, we have just so many unique and beautiful experiences. Like we get, uh, you know, experiences with a shaman and it's just so powerful. So our Peru adventure is probably my favorite trip. Um, and then our Thailand adventure we only got two spaces left, but it's like, it is just the perfect mix of fun and spiritual and relaxing. It's like all of it. So we go to the full moon party. So you have the fun craziness, painting our bodies in the islands and stuff like that. Uh, we, it's also a foodie tour. So we get the best food in the world, but it's also like very grounded. We go to a lot of temples and uh, we hang out with monks and we get to hang out with each other and we stay in a big mansion villa. So we're able to like, just be with each other the whole time. It's, 
it's a really fun and beautiful experience. Nice, man. And I'm sure you're only adding other experiences on as you take experiences and have stuff yourself. You say, hey, this might make a cool trip, you know? So Yeah, exactly. It starts out with the top 10, but who knows? Like As I go, I'm like, "Ah, Africa's pretty incredible. I might end up doing a public one for that. We'll see. For now, it's private, but in the future, we may. Very cool. Chase, thank you so much for joining me today and showing the people who want to lead more adventurous lives how they can do that, how they, if they are in a spot where maybe they're at rock bottom or they've just hit a lull, how they could pull themselves up. And, and you're a shining example of that. And I just really appreciate the openness and honesty that comes with it because it means a lot more to hear why you did it and how you've done it from the spot that you were in versus just saying, hey, I'm reading this guy's bucket list. Oh, 81 out of 100. He did some cool stuff. Must be an interesting guy. All right. It's a lot more to it than just checking stuff off. It really is a whole life reset, and I really appreciate you sharing all that. Remind people how they can get a hold of you. Where should they go to find out about the trips and everything that's going on with you? Absolutely. So the bucket list lifestyle is uh, .com, you know, all the, the social media, all that thing. Also, people listening to this, uh, feel free to follow me personally, Chase Beringer. Uh, you'll see it on, on Facebook. I don't have my own Instagram. It's just like my, my company is my life, so, so I just have the bucket list lifestyle on there. Um, but yeah, if you want to go on a trip, go to thebucketlistlifestyle.com, scroll down a little bit, you'll see our adventures. Uh, it'll be perfect. And, and you may, we may end up uh, traveling the world together at some point. Awesome. Thanks again, Chase. Thank you everyone for tuning in today for your continued support that makes us number one rated travel podcast on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, guys, happy free travels. While the pyramids in Egypt get by far the most attention, the biggest pyramid in the world is actually across the Atlantic Ocean in Puebla, Mexico, called the Great Pyramid of Cholula, and its base is four times larger than the pyramids in Giza.